0: Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, you can also listen live across the Faith Radio Network Saturdays at 11 a.m. Central or 12 Eastern for the entire hour. And if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. How do you make the right decision when every option seems wrong? How do we discern between knowledge and wisdom in our decision-making? So often in life, there doesn't really appear to be a right answer when we're faced with a difficult decision. That's what today's program is all about, and I welcome you. I'm your host, Jeremiah Johnston, and thank you for joining us from all over the Faith Radio Network. We're so glad to have you with us, and let me just say right at the beginning, uh, we are live in studio today, and we are here to minister to you, so you just pull up a uh, pull up next to us, if you will, in your mind's eye and grab a cup of coffee. Uh, we've got a great conversation of faith that's going to be happening today. My guest in the next segment is John Gibson, international businessman. I'm going to give him an appropriate uh, introduction after this break. Uh, but I want to encourage you also to text me your question. You can text in over at AskJJJ.com. And don't forget, we have a call screener standing by. I'd love to hear your phone calls. What's the number? It is 877-933-2484. That's 877-933-2484. Join the conversation. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much for all the questions that we're receiving with the Jeremiah Johnston Show. This is the program that gives you permission to question your faith. It's not a sin to question your faith. It's not a sin uh, to have an inquiring mind. This is the beauty and the power of the Christian faith. And we see that even in the first creation that God created us, with him to expand to expand our knowledge and to see his great creation and so we have such a great program on store for today and i want to encourage you right now also to be sure and subscribe to our podcast the jeremiah johnston show podcast and thank you so much to all those of you who are giving us wonderful reviews thank you for that and thank you for those of you that are sharing this we're so delighted to hear how this program uh, is ministering to you. I've received 10,000 text-messaged questions, uh, and I'm happy that we are pooling, we're aggregating those questions into to- into topics that uh, people find helpful and relevant to their own lives. And so, friends, uh, we're going to go to a break, but don't change that dial because we have a conversation today where we're going to help you have wisdom about how to make a right decision when there doesn't seem that there are any. How do we not ask for help? Stay with us on the Jeremiah Johnson Show. And Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnston show and friends today the topic is faith in business how to have wisdom for decision making uh, and I want to begin by reminding you this is this power teaching tip that we love to do in the program of someone uh, who is a person of business who is a great blessing to the Apostle Paul. I'm reading a very interesting passage from the book of Romans right now It comes to us from Romans chapter 16 verses one and two. Paul is writing to the church at Rome from Corinth, 400 miles away. And he's writing because he wants to introduce them to a person of business, a person of influence, a person of social standing, who is so important. This individual was the businesswoman who was going to be currying, bringing, delivering the letter of Romans to the leaders of the church of Rome. Romans 16, verse 1, Paul writes, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, uh, you've probably heard that name before, Phoebe. It's such a great memory. The name is remembered in church history for a variety of leadership reasons. He writes, who is our servant, that's actually Diakonos, a deacon at the church of Ken Krayi. So you should welcome her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever matters she may require for your help. For indeed, this is Paul writing, She has been a benefactor. I love that word in Greek. It's prostatis. It's a hapax legomenon. There's 138,000 words in the Greek New Testament. That's the only place we get that Greek word that actually means benefactor. Paul says, she is a benefactor of many people and of me also. Now, what does that mean? Now, friends, we read past these two scripture verses so quickly. And the power tip for today for you is you have to learn how to interpret the Bible. I would say that three-fourths of the 10,000 questions that I have received from Christians who love Jesus with all their heart result from faulty biblical interpretation skills. Have you ever been in a Bible study that just goes into free fall? Everybody reads a verse and starts saying what it means to them without any recourse of the context of the passage. Friends, we have to read the Bible with first century eyes. We are reading in a 21st century Western context that is utterly different from the world of Jesus and the world of the New Testament. And if I could just wave a magic wand right now as a Christian leader, I would want to have every single believer in a biblical interpretation class with me and just simply teach you how to interpret the Bible, because we miss so many things when we read quickly or we read things into Scripture too quickly. Why is Phoebe so important? Friends, I want you to appreciate something for a moment, and I don't have the time in this program to get into it, but Phoebe is a female in the church of Cancrai. The Apostle Paul thinks so much of her. He writes the book of Romans, the greatest document ever written in the history of the Christian faith. And he does not select a man to courier the document to the city of Rome. He selects a female businesswoman in the church of Cancrai who he had no doubt met in his travels and preaching and ministry She was a respected businesswoman in her community. She was of elite social standing. And he hands off the letter to Phoebe. Imagine that. Now, again, because we're reading with such historical distance, we do not realize that women had no equality in the first century. Christianity gave back the concept of humanity, value, and worth, and dignity to females. Any place you look today where females are respected and honored, the Christian faith has gone there first. He hands the letter to Phoebe and he says, Will you please bring this letter to the Church of Rome 400 miles away? And friends, Phoebe wasn't like a UPS driver where she just dropped the document off on the front door and walked away. No, she was the individual since she was currying it. She was the ambassador on behalf of the Apostle Paul himself. She would be the one who would present the letter to all the house churches at Rome in Paul's place. Isn't that powerful to think for a moment about the ways in which God uses men and women who are Christian men and women, Christian businessmen and women in their own context for the kingdom of God? We have many people listening right now. You're involved in faith, obviously, but you're involved in business. And sometimes when you live at that intersection of faith and business, it's hard to know how to integrate faith, how to make good decisions. If you're a CEO, or if you're a person of leadership or if you have to let someone go or how to hire the right person, we need wisdom from God. Well, I've dedicated this broadcast to you uh, And with that, friends. And by the way, uh, I do want to remind you, I have a, a actually a Facebook page. I want to encourage you to like like the Christian Thinker Society podcast public page because I have a great inscription of Phoebe, an archaeological inscription, a limestone inscription, on the Facebook page right now where I discuss it. So you can go on and like our page. You can download that right now at Christian Thinkers Society, our Facebook page. Uh, But friends, I want to get right to our guest. Uh, That's the power tip for you. Learn how to interpret the Bible. And listen, if you were a person of faith and business, God can use you to do dramatic things for the kingdom. We wouldn't have the book of Romans today in circulation, were it not for the business woman Phoebe. Uh, I want to bring on right now, uh, who's joining me here in studio today, someone who is a dear friend of mine, a mentor, a blessing to the ministry of Christian Thinkers Society, and an, a gentleman who has been a blessing uh, all over the world in the different leadership positions that he's held. I'm talking about my special guest today in studio, John Gibson. John Gibson has been the president and the CEO of several different organizations actually around the world, not just here in the United States. He was uh, president of a company in Israel, Paradigm Geophysical. He was president and CEO of Halliburton Energy Services. You've probably heard of that company. He's been president in Canada of a company there. Uh, He's had a lot of experience, life experience, doing business from a faith context in different, difficult cultural circumstances john i welcome you to the jeremiah johnston show great to be here i want to begin right at the outset by asking you a question uh, that i get asked a lot here at the show and and across in our travels is it possible to maintain a vibrant christian faith and also be successful in the business world
1: Um, i'd be incredibly depressed if that wasn't possible Um, It it does mean that you have to have a a set of standards and values that you draw from your faith that you live by. And we're blessed in the industry, in the oil and gas industry, to have a lot of people of faith in senior positions. Will Van Lowe, the founder of, of Quantum Energy Partners, uh, he just received a Lifetime Achievement Award at age 48. Wow. And this is a great man of Christ. Uh, Mark McCollum at Weatherford, uh, Ryan Lance at ConocoPhillips. All of these are, are both great men of faith and great business leaders that are delivering success to their shareholders and to their employees. And, and I feel uh, really privileged to be a part of that group.
0: Well, friends, I know you're going to have questions for John, and the conversation as the, as the course of the hour goes on, questions for me, uh, I want to give you the number again. It's 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484, or you can email the question at askjjj.com. John, I want to ask you right at the beginning, because you have written an excellent book. You give a lot of public lectures and speaking. Um, how do you make a good decision when there are no seemingly positive options?
1: Well, Jeremiah, that's I actually was a distinguished lecturer in ethics for our industry and uh, for a number of years, and so I, I try to explain to people that you never are faced with a right wrong decision. Uh, you're faced with right right decisions, and so we're always trading off between two rights. Unfortunately, we normally get forced into right right decisions in family life as a result of someone doing wrong, mm-hmm. and so after wrong's done, then you're placed in a position where you decide between two rights. The, I, I try to get people to think through the, the four choices you really have, and those choices are uh, between long-term and short-term, truth and loyalty, uh, justice and mercy, and um, let's see, I've, I've forgotten one, I feel like I'm having a Rick Perry moment here, and, uh, <laughs> those and, I, are good. and, and the last one is, let's see, justice, mercy, truth, loyalty, uh, short-term, long-term, and justice and mercy I, uh, yeah there's one more
0: it'll come to me and so you two you discern those are essentially the guardrails for how to uh adjudicate this decisions in front of you
1: well it's it, you know there's three ways to make a decision really you have uh consequence based teleological which many mm-hmm. people uh that's how they think and there's three versions of that that's how it affects me Uh, That's sort of egocentric, uh, altruistic, how does it affect everyone else? And then utilitarian, Mm -hmm. how do I get the most for the most? And then there's deontological, which is a part of our faith. That's what's my duty. Yeah. and so there 's some things where i don 't like what I have to do, but it 's my duty yeah. uh, when we sign a contract uh, in my case been married thirty nine years that 's a contract <laughs> and i 'm going to honor that contract and uh, But when you enter into a contract in business, great companies honor their contracts, and so that 's a deontological way of choosing uh, what what you have to do going forward, even if you lose money, you say i 'm going to do that but you know it 's really hard though i mean you take uh, the truth versus loyalty, you know, right, right, because mm-hmm. both of those yeah. are right. When you have a family member that's uh, doing drugs or they're involved in theft or you've, you've got a husband that's involved in something or a wife that's that's negative, you, you get down to loyalty, that means that you stand by them for a long time. Truth means that you may have to turn them in. It mm. turns out that those are both right decisions and require a lot of prayer mm-hmm. because you you can come to a point where you have to switch from loyalty to truth or yeah. from truth to loyalty. And I think knowing that those are your two end members and then having the ability to discern between the two is uh, what makes great decisions.
0: That is so good. I, I I want to uh, on the other side of the break. I want to weave into your testimony, John. I'm talking to John Gibson right now, president, and CEO of international corporations and companies, and an individual who's been a great benefactor of many people in the Christian faith with his wisdom and with his life experiences. On the other side of the break, John, I want to ask you about the funeral that you attended uh, when you had this epiphany. Uh, call it the Holy Spirit speaking to you, where. You didn't want to come to your into your life and have people come to your funeral, and all they say is that guy made a lot of money, uh, and he didn't make an impact. And so uh, I want you to tell us that story on the other side of the break. Friends, you're listening to The Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and joining me in studio today live is John Gibson, international businessman, entrepreneur, and great man of Christian faith. Great family man, married 39 years, two children, and seven and two-thirds grandchildren. You've got another grandbaby on the way. Congratulations for that. Uh, John, take us back. We have people right now on hold. Thank you all for your patience. Those of you that are calling in, again, that number is 877-933-2484. John, take us to that moment uh, where i think a lot of christian businessmen and women get to at least i pray you do uh where it wasn't all about the dollars anymore um of course that's a very important fact people are lying if they say it's not but tell us about that memorial service that you experienced and the impact that made on your christian life how did you pivot from that point and i guess it's one of the chapters out of the
1: book you're referring to i had an employee of the year for landmark graphics and uh I had taken them on a trip, and it was the honeymoon for a couple who had been married for for decades, and they'd not ever had one, and got to know he and his wife, and she passed away, and they were having the service in Dallas, and I live in Houston. And so I decided that Saturday morning I'd just go up and go to the funeral for one one of thousands of employees, but one of those great employees, Employees of the Year, and I Mm -hmm. wanted to be supportive of him. And I attended the funeral, and uh, first I've never been so... uh, so humbled because he came to me he couldn 't believe I came that was first off and made me cry thinking about it, mm-hmm. and uh, just too much honor and and for me and and it was me just being there for him, so he introduced me to the family and others, and then we go to the service, and so we 're in a large church and and it, probably six or seven hundred people there, and so I just went in and took a seat in the back and because that 's basically where the seats were open that 's how full the church was. Mm-hmm. And one testimony after another, the people got up and said that, that his wife had made such a difference in their lives. She'd been a Sunday school teacher. That had been all that she'd ever done. And she'd never been in business, and she'd never run an international corporation. She didn't make half a million dollars a year as a, as a CEO. What she had done is influence the lives of other people. And they were coming forward and giving their testimony, and it would just make tears run down your face. And I thought, I wonder if I get to the end of my life, if all the money I've made can't fill a telephone booth with people whose lives I have, I've made a difference in. Mm. And so I would rather be in a That's my awesome. own funeral service with a room packed full of people saying he, he helped change my life for the better mm. than I would have a, a thousand millionaires show up and... And uh, be insincere. So I, I, just, it was a really a life changing moment where you live for the end. It's kind of like playing golf from the hole back. I sort of want to live from the funeral backwards and say here's what i want to have done before they, they put me away
0: that's right i'm going to give you a minute uh what's the deal john we're guys we're not supposed to cry but this is so moving my heart right now just watching you thank you for that testimony and i want to get to our callers uh we have philip nation on hold for on hold for us philip thank you so much for calling in all the way from bradenton florida
2: oh uh, well i i'm i'm so glad to do it i'm just so enjoying the show jeremiah it is a a huge blessing for all of us that are out here listening thanks so much for doing it thank you well i wanted to 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 jump into this conversation because i uh, i get the opportunity to serve as a as a local pastor in a church here at first baptist bradenton but i also am a university professor that teaches on the subject of leadership and have had the chance to be a leader in nonprofit organizations and so I wanted to really kind of dig in a little bit deeper with John because he, he highlighted something in that first segment about how we make decisions. And people come at decisions oftentimes from a consequence-based perspective. You know, it's very ego-driven. Uh, what are going to be the, the financial consequences here? What are going to be the family consequences? What are going to be the consequences to whether or not I'm going to get the promotion? But certainly as we watch John's life, uh, he has made this pivot that he is is driving more toward a faith-based orientation of when he makes a decision as a leader, it's what's going to expand the kingdom of God, what's going to extend grace to people, what's going to help me grow in the knowledge of mm-hmm. the Lord. And so, John, as you uh, have instructed other people and as you mentor other people, what might you say uh, both to somebody like me who's a pastor of a local congregation But then also a guy who's a husband, a father, and a friend to people, how can we help people make this shift in their own life from just consequence-based thinking really to more of a faith-based kingdom-expanding kind of decision-making for leaders in the community? Well, I,
1: I guess I really appreciate the question, and it is a hard one. I would say the consequence-based one, I always go through first. I always want to know how it's going to impact all the stakeholders, and so how does it impact shareholders? How does it impact employees? How does it impact the community where we're working? How does it impact the environment? And so for me to make a good decision, I really look at the consequences of all the stakeholders, and then I do look at it from an egocentric perspective. What are people going to think of me if I do that, so when you deal with sexual harassment in the company, and you're having to terminate an employee, uh, maybe they're your best salesperson, mm-hmm. and you go, if I terminate my best salesperson, I'm going to miss my quarter. Mm-hmm. If I do not terminate my best salesperson, then I'm going to be held in low esteem by women in our organization and by our shareholders, and I want to balance between those two and. and I can tell you that for me that normally means I fire my salesperson because I, I'm more concerned about the reputation of the company long term, so I'm dividing between short and long term. Mm-hmm. But after I get through the consequences, then then I actually go through, you know, what does it do for others, and then what's the best for the best, and then I do the, the check every time, and that is can I sleep at night, which means does it violate any of my principles and my duties. Mm-hmm. And so I do consequence first. And then duty second, and if it violates those, then it, it, the consequences are irrelevant. I have to do uh, what I believe to be correct, sort of the golden rule statement. That's what's the, you know, do on to others is have them do on to you. There's some people I don't want doing on to me, so I don't want to use that rule. but. But I'll say you have to do what, uh, what God, what the Holy Spirit leads you to do, even if the consequences for yourself not necessarily the best.
0: That's awesome. John, I'm talking to John Gibson. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston radio show. Thank you, Philip, from Bradenton, for that excellent comment and question. Uh, I want to go to line three, friends. Line three has been holding for quite a long time. Uh, we've got a gentleman named Alan phoning in. Uh, Alan, welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston program. Come on and come on with your question.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, I love your show and uh, the issues you're addressing are just so, so important. I have a question for your guest, Mr. Gibson. You know, Mr. Gibson, uh, how much truth needs to be told when someone is fired for wrongdoing? I know, you know, there are restrictions, nondisclosures and things like that, but I'm uneasy with that. Sometimes it's I think people are being misled. But anyway, what sh- what is your advice on that?
0: Great question. That is a really good question from Alan.
1: John, please answer. Alan, I, I've got a short answer here, but it comes up all the time. And uh had a case where a, a young man was abusing women in the organization. turned out he had done several, so there were probably 10 or 11 women that he had, had harassed. And so I want to fire him. And if I fire him for cause, that's what I really want to do. And I could care less whether I lose a wrongful termination suit or not. But in the truth, I had to balance back the consequences. What would be the impact on the families of the women who were married and had children that had succumbed to his threatening their jobs and others? And did I want to impact their lives and their marriages negatively? And as a consequence, I made a decision not to terminate them for cause, but to just terminate them Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to bring other people's lives into it. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't impact other people's lives, I absolutely concur with you. The best way to set an example and create a story in a company is if you take somebody and you put them out, and you put them out so that everybody knows why, and they know the consequences of what they do are, are going to result in their termination.
0: This is a fascinating discussion. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. My guest today is international businessman John Gibson, great friend of Christian Thinkers Society, based here in Houston, Texas. Uh, we're going to go to break, and friends, we still have people holding on. Uh, go ahead and call in. This is a great conversation about the integration of faith and business. Welcome back. Thank you so much. You're joining us across the faith radio program. This is the show that takes your questions seriously from a biblical worldview, combining the best of biblical scholarship with hopefully the best of practical application as well. I'm your host, Jeremiah. And today, friends, uh, I have John Gibson in studio with me and we're taking your questions live. Thank you for everyone who's been so patient holding and thank you for all the text message questions as well. Uh, We have uh, people, John, that are on hold that want to get to you. But I have a question for you. Uh, before we get to them, uh, I want to just revisit the this this notion because I want to be as practical as possible. Um, how can we how can we express our faith in the workplace without coming across annoying, without ending a relationship? Uh, because so often I think Christians uh, are not really. As sensitive or as discerning in the moment as we need to be, you did something when you were president at Halliburton. You've ri- you've written about this, where you had to make an ethical decision uh, based on certain things. Some of the guys were expensing in the company. Um, are you able to share a little bit of detail on that? And that certainly was an opportunity as a leader for you to express your faith. It's a really tough question
1: to answer, Jeremiah. So yes, I did write on that. I one of the things that I undertook uh, in. Was to eliminate gentlemen's club expenses in the company when I, I took over, and I couldn't understand how uh, that that men could uh, go and and exploit women in the evenings for mm-hmm. entertainment purposes, and then be a peer with them in the daytime, and for that to be a mm. A good thing I learned quite a lot. It turns out one thing I would I wish was the transparency and invoicing because, in order to find those expenses, we had to do quite a lot of work. Sure. They give those companies bizarre names so that you can't identify them directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there should be some sort of code where you can say that that's the expense they turned in. <laughs> so it's, it's really hard when you set this rule out, it costs quite a lot of money to do it. But you do those things because, again, you, you feel like you have a duty. I have a duty mm-hmm. to women as a CEO. I have to be a CEO to all people mm-hmm. in a company. That includes uh, uh, gays. It includes mm-hmm. other races. It includes mm-hmm. other religions. I have to compartmentalize mm-hmm. my my faith and, and make sure that I don't cause an impact on the diversity that we have in the organization. and They have a fair opportunity for promotion and for a career. And by showing them love and showing them care and being fair, I think that's the way we live out Christ in our Mm -hmm. life and business. And so you hope that through the way you live your life, not necessarily what you say, but that they can see that you care about gays in the company. Mm -hmm. You care about women through your actions without you having to say that you care about them. In fact, stating it usually means that you don't. Uh, it's, It's more through the actions and what you do and how you support different groups and companies. That, uh, you, you demonstrate that you are being fair, that you're running a meritocracy, and that you care about what people contribute, not, not where they're from or what they do. But I, I have done that. And that's, and it's not just faith that drives me. It, in that case, it's, it's fairness to all people mm. in an organization. And I, I hope Christ would be proud of that, that that's decision.
0: Awesome. Uh, Friends, this is Jeremiah Johnston. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. You can join the conversation right now, 877-933-2484. My guest is businessman John Gibson, and we have several people holding. uh, But I want to jump to Jennifer, who's actually called in from Kansas City, because her question is uh, in the wheelhouse of what we're discussing right now. Jennifer, uh, thank you for listening on 88.5, Signal 2, HD Signal 2, and thank you for calling in from Kansas City and your patience holding. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you. So my question, as an employer, I always struggle with how I can model my faith and let my faith be shown without making it seem as if I have favor to other people who have the same faith. I have people from all walks of life in my organization. So I tend to just kind of hide that for fear of offending somebody. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how to walk that line. Yeah, Jennifer, that's a, another great question I think all of us struggle with, with our faith in the workplace, and and I, I would say that loving people is probably the number one thing you can do no matter what role you're in, and mm-hmm. love means that you don't jump to conclusions on people. I've had people be late for work repeatedly, and, and you know the old tendency to just say we should fire that guy. Well, I go back to justice versus mercy. It's just yeah. as easy to be merciful, and the way you show faith is you sit down with them and you say, you've been late and so it doesn't mean that you're uh, you're weak or soft it means through love you you correct people through love you you help people and and what i hope is people of other faiths see a better example and so and if if we're not living a life that appears to be a better and more more vibrant and richer than than another faith then then we're we're not doing our jobs we mm-hmm. i think we're under underperforming for christ and so I hope that just through your example, the way you care about people, the way you address problems, the way that you, you bring people in and meet with them and the discussions you have, you there's that old statement that says that you... You know, is witness to everybody talk if you
0: have to. Mm, is yeah, I think the yeah, most exactly. important aspect <laughs> of being a Christian in the workplace. Yeah, or or my my version, shut up and listen. Sometimes if you're Sorry. a Christian, be a listenist. Uh, people call it a therapist. I call it a listenist. Uh, you're a good Christian if you know how to listen. Uh, friends, my guest today is John Gibson. Uh, was president and CEO of Halliburton Energy Services globally, tens of thousands of employees. President of an Israeli company, Paradigm Geophysical, and president of Vita software company, right, in uh, Canada. Environmental. environmental company in Canada. So you've, you have uh, done business, and those are just the places where you were based. I know you've done business in probably every country there is to do business in, John. Uh, and I love this because obviously we're seeing from the evidence of, of all the participation in today's program, there's so many questions around faith and business, faith and money, faith and success, how to handle success, which is oftentimes more difficult than even failure. Uh, but we have Curtis, who's actually been holding from Dallas, uh, Curtis, I'm I'm so excited to have you joining us today on the Jeremiah Johnston Show, and thanks for uh, adding value to this discussion on faith and business. What's your question or comment today uh, on the program? You're live with us.
1: Well, great. Well, Jeremiah, first of all, thank you for doing this. This is a great show and a great discussion, and and, and I really appreciate you know what you and John are talking about today. I think it's really something practical that. It impacts a lot of people. And and my question is, I would like to follow up on the discussion you were having about expressing faith in the workplace. And a lot of times in in my career, um, working with faith-based organizations, sometimes I've been criticized for uh, doing business with kind of non-faith-based organizations, but I felt they were the right organization to work with. And one of the things I would like to ask John about is is uh, how he thinks can business be a tool to express your faith, not so much even within your own company, but with your business partners and the outside people that you work with uh, outside of your own company, whether they're partners or vendors or what have you.
0: That's a great question. Using business and expressing faith. What, what do you have to say to Curtis? I, I think a lot of people actually have that question, and not just in their own business, but in consulting and other otherwise.
1: Well, now, Curtis, I do a lot of work with other companies, and I, I was at a board meeting the other night. Recognized one of the board members, and uh, walked up to him, and I said, "I just wanted to let you know that your mother says you're a great guy." And so he looked at me, and he said, "How do you know my mother?" And I said, "Well, every time I go to church, she gives me a big hug." And he started laughing. He said, Then you know my mother. And so <laughs> often when we're we're in in other meetings our ability to to show our faith indirectly so that they know we 're Christian without saying we 're Christian is the most important thing i didn 't go up and say hi i 'm a believer, and this is what I believe. I went up and said, "I know that your mother's a believer by by letting him know that I knew his mother, and immediately we had into a conversation about God, so the Holy Spirit has just been really blessed me the whole of my career um, to to be in a situation where I can say something that will is a leading question which allows them to, to pursue that if they choose to or not, mm-hmm. and you we 're dependent on the Holy Spirit to open up the people that we 're meeting with, not us. Our only goal is to be there and to be available and and to let the Holy Spirit tell us what to say. I once told a young man and, and which is a story in the book that I wrote that uh, he needed to accept Christ and he had to do it by Friday. And I can assure you that's the, one of the, if, if as a CEO of a public company, close to the stupidest thing that I would have ever done. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit did that and not me. Now, if I did that every time, if that was my witnessing technique, I'd have turned far more people off to Christ Mm -hmm. than others. This young man accepted Christ. And so what was I? I was little more than a vessel for Christ for that young man in a way that was meaningful to him. Mm -hmm. And you go, you have to take the risk that the Holy Spirit uh, puts you in. I mean, you're going to do things that you're uncomfortable with. But you'll be protected. I have never, ever done what the Holy Spirit asked me to do and not seen fruit come from it and just and be so excited by the outcome. But I wouldn't just take a, a rote, memorized way to do it. I wouldn't memorize a process for doing it. I would pray and open my heart, and you'll find... You're saying things that cause other people to ask you without ever having to tell them what you believe.
0: Mm, So good, and thank you for that call from Dallas. Great comments, great questions. Friends, you're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. John's going to stick around. Uh, we're here live in the studio for the next segment. Uh, thank you for these questions, and I hope that you will make a decision today, if you're a female in business, to be a second Phoebe, uh, to be someone that you can, you can be relied upon, you can be counted upon for even great ministry, great leadership in the church, as we saw at the beginning of the program in Romans 16, 1 and 2. We're going to go to a break, uh, and I hope that you will join us and stay with us and uh, continue uh, joining the conversation. We're, we're enjoying these uh, comments and questions. back to the Jeremiah Johnston show. I'm your host Jeremiah and joining me in studio today is international businessman, president, CEO, all-around great leader for Christ in the workplace, John Gibson. John, thank you so much for all the wisdom that you were dropping on us on the program today. And friends, I want to encourage you not to forget to subscribe to the podcast. We have many people who are listening outside of the actual terrestrial stations. There are many Uh, with Faith Radio Network. And those of you that are listening online, I want to encourage you, you can listen two ways. You can subscribe to the podcasts, so please do that to the Jeremiah Johnston Show, or download the Faith Radio app. I absolutely enjoy uh, using the Faith Radio app. It works everywhere I have my phone. Uh, So I want to encourage you to tell your friends about this program, continue to uh, pray for us as we're ministering to you. So thank you so much for that. I want to also encourage you to join my email list over at christianthinkers.com. The emails come directly from my hand, Uh, I'd love to stay in touch with you and keep you up to date on what it takes to have a thinking faith. This is the program that encourages you to love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind, which Jesus said was the greatest commandment from Matthew 22, 37 and Mark 12, when Jesus quoted the Shema from the Old Testament, but he added, love God with all your mind. So I hope that you're making that commitment to be a Christian thinker. And along those lines, uh, what a great thinker, John Gibson, who's in studio with us today. Uh, John, we have Tom actually calling in from Houston I want to get to his call first, and then I'm going to follow up with my question that I've been waiting to ask. Tom, thank you so much for joining us live on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. You're welcome, Jeremiah. Thank you for doing this. Hi, John. How are you today? I'm
1: doing pretty well, Tom, as long as the question's not too hard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am the father of a daughter who has just graduated from college, and she's just started with a large energy company, and I know that... Things are a lot different now in the workplace, but do you have any advice for a young Christian woman in a workplace to be more like Phoebe as as she progresses in her career? Mm, great question, Tom. Thank you for that.
1: Well, Tom, I, it's, it is a great question. I will tell you the energy industry over the last three or four decades has certainly changed a lot, and I think it's a great place for women. Um, I was just at the CIRA week, uh, the Cambridge Energy Research Associates Week, and I was on a panel with venture capital in the oil and gas uh, industry. And there were five panelists, and I was the only man. Mm-hmm. And I had them take a picture so that I could give it to my granddaughter and let her know that this is a great industry for women today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it, the real challenge, I think, for women is is for women to be women and not women to be men. You don't have to act like a man, man to be successful mm-hmm. anymore. Right. There was a time when that was really... Uh, how you got ahead to have merit. Uh, I've seen women that have sacrificed having a family, mm-hmm. that they would act in ways that, that made them you know, one of the boys. And we've really passed that stage now, and we've got great women leaders in oil and gas. One was Deb Close, who just spoke at the Oilfield field uh, prayer breakfast uh, at the OTC. And Deb's one of the great Christian leaders and it's irrelevant what her gender is. She's just a great Christian leader Mm. and a great executive. And so when interviewed, I was interviewed by a large paper and they said to me, are you creating an affirmative action program for women in uh, oil and gas? And as a result of hiring Deb, and my quote to them was, I hired a great executive, so you mean that she's a woman. Oh, yes. I, I <laughs> turns out that's the case. So I think the, the pathway ahead for women in the industry is, is outstanding. You're seeing very aggressive goals by boards to include women, so you're seeing them try to recruit women aggressively to get to 30 to 40% membership on boards of directors. So that the future is extremely bright for women in the oil and gas industry. And, just encourage her to be herself, that she doesn't have to be something she's not, and she doesn't have to abandon her faith in order for her to be successful.
0: Thank you so much for that question, Tom, calling in about how to integrate faith and business. This is a topic that will come up again and again and again. Uh, friends, this is Jeremiah, your host, and one of the, one of the observations that I continue to make, John, uh, is that individuals find it so difficult to ask for help when they are str- struggling especially when they're successful, especially when they feel like they are living in a fishbowl. And if they ask for help, it might be betraying themselves or they might appear to be weak. How important is it to learn to ask for help? And I want you to speak right now to businessmen and women who are listening. And everything you've been talking about on this show, everything we've been discussing, the questions we've been answering, they want to make those next steps, but they can't do it without asking for help. Um, How important is that?
1: I think great great leaders always ask for help, and it's very biblical. We look for great advisors, uh, and then we take their advice. Okay, So as a leader, you have to be prepared to make a decision that uh, when you have contrary advice, and that's really what separates leadership from just being a follower, mm-hmm. is being willing to take that accountability. But to do that takes a couple of things. One is you you have to somehow check your ego at the door so you're not deciding mm-hmm. because of what you believe. And the second thing that you have to do is not be so insecure that you think that it undermines your power and your position by having someone else suggest something to you that that uh, that you then do. Uh, I, I wouldn't be in this chair today if it had not been for help. Um, as a CEO, particularly of a large international business, there's no possibility that you can have the answer to everything you're going to be asked. It's too broad. It's too deep, so you're dependent upon others, and so you have to just sort of let go. Much like we trust in Christ, you have to trust in your people, so have good people. And uh, I, I got asked to do something uh had to do with software development, to abandon one platform and take another platform. I had no idea what to do. Uh, I found a man named Jim Medlock in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, he had moved uh, the company InterGraft from... Uh, a Unix-based platform to NT, and in the process, had lost many billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And I cold-called him, just like, I mean, the craziest thing I've done is picked up the phone call, CEO of this company, multi-billion dollar company, and I said, my name's John Gibson, I've been asked to do this in a software company and uh, I don't know what to do, and I'm looking at this, and you've lost billions of dollars doing it. Would you give me any advice? And and what he said was, son, if you will come to Huntsville, Alabama on Thursday, I'll take the day off and tell you everything I did wrong. Wow. And I flew to Huntsville, Alabama, and uh, he spent the day with me, and every single mistake he made, I would have made those exact mistakes, and they were obvious when he walked through them, but they were not obvious when, when you're the one making the decision. And so I avoided a disaster because Mr. Medlock gave me counseling, so a, a senior guy to a junior guy, and, and it's one of the greatest things that has ever happened in my life. I owe him a debt of gratitude or I would have failed. Mm. And uh, every time I've asked for help and found the right helper, it's just been an, an outstanding achievement. So you have to be secure and you have to pray a lot about it because who you seek advice from
0: is really important. Um, and then taking it. That's so good. John Gibson answering a great question from Tom. Uh, And, Tom, you said something fascinating. You brought up a second Phoebe. uh, Friends, at our Christian Thinker Society public Facebook page, I want to encourage you to go there because, uh, Tom, when you said that, it's right in line uh, with an inscription, a limestone inscription that I have right now featured on our Facebook page. You can go download the image. Phoebe, we only hear about her in those two verses, Romans sixteen one and two, and she 's really been the inspiration a woman of business social standing who couriered the letter of Romans for the Apostle Paul. Uh, she's really been the inspiration of this program. Well, in the memory of the ancient church, Phoebe is so popular uh, that in a limestone inscription that's dated to the fourth century, it's actually this wonderful commemoration of a woman named Sophia, but she 's called a leader in the church. And you can actually see it if you know how to read Greek. If you know how to read the Greek that's in size, it actually says Sophia, a second Phoebe. So if you're listening today, a great thing that you can pray for is Jesus, make me a second Phoebe for you. I want to be a person that people can count on, and I especially want to be so in the church of Jesus Christ. You're listening to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Don't touch that dial. We're going to come back uh, with some concluding comments with our guest, John Gibson, as well as your questions. And welcome back to the program, the Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm your host, Jeremiah, and joining me in studio today. We've had a great discussion with John Gibson, international businessman, president and CEO of companies here in the United States, the country of Israel, and in, even in Canada. And I want to ask you as a final question, John. Having lived in Canada, and I've I've preached in many of the Canadian provinces. I was a professor at Acadia University. Uh, we have several folks actually who've who've contacted us uh, via Canada from Canada for this program. Uh, what did you learn ministering in a context like Canada, uh, being in business, being in ministry? Uh, we don't have much time. I'm sure we could do an entire program on this. I have my own stories. Uh, and uh, I want you to just talk about, in an international context, you obviously had to learn to be sensitive about your faith in these different cultural environments. And I'm not certainly not picking on Canada, but having lived there, I understand the uni- uniquenesses. Uh, talk to us about that for a moment. Uh-oh.
1: Canada, a uh, wonderful country, uh, not Americans, yeah. uh, just because they look like you don 't get confused because yeah. they don 't share the same values. Um, we belonged to a church there, had a great pastor, a great community, we worshiped with them. Uh, my wife and I participated in a lot of the the, the Christian events there had a, a blast because you do have people of great faith there, and I continue to see those people regularly and talk on the phone and give them encouragement. Um, it, is it different? And the answer is yes. There's mm-hmm. just not America, and mm-hmm. Norway's the same. People look like you; they mm-hmm. speak the same language in many cases, but it doesn't mean they share the exact same values. And you have to become in Canada kinder and gentler. That's right. So a good Texan. We need more I'm, of that here. <laughs> I'm not very kind and gentle, so it took me a while to sort of e- equal the pace. I think Israel would be another conversation. Yeah. Very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, being a Gentile in Israel, trying to run a, a company. Um, is, is more challenging, but, but Canada, wonderful people, wonderful people, wonderful country, um, excited about what they're doing. And, uh, you and know, it's
0: possible. Your, your it's experience about. has shown that it's possible to live out your faith in those contexts. At Christian Thinker Society, we've done events in, throughout Canada. We've done events, uh, three now, in the United Kingdom and London. And what I've loved is we've seen the power of the gospel to cross borders, to cross cultures, and to make an impact. And so wherever you're listening from... Let the light of Jesus shine through you. Make a commitment to be a second Phoebe. Read Romans 16, 1 and 2. Memorize it. Be a benefactor for the church. Be a benefactor to a leader in the church. I love that word, prostatis in Greek. She, Paul says she was a benefactor. I'm talking about Phoebe, of many. And Paul said of me also. And so, friends, I want to encourage you to continue to connect with us on this program. I've dedicated my life to answering your unanswered questions. Uh, but the sad reality is... Believers make difficult decisions every day when they don't have access to the right information. That's what this program's all about. Hope you'll join us next time for the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston show. I definitely want to hear from you. So if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of the Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do it with Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.